I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. listening to Flop Culture, a podcast where we mainly talk about flops, but we also talk bops, hot goss and pop culture at large with me, Fanula J. Thank you so much for all the kind words on last week's episode. A lot more what's your numbers stands than I realised. So there you go. They all came out of the woodwork. I loved it. It is Oscars week or coming into it at the very least. So we're bringing it back to a Colin Farrell movie that we didn't get to talk about earlier this season. But before all of that, the news. Avril Lavigne is dating Tyga. After recently splitting for her fiancé Mad Son, thus ending their engagement, Lavigne, or her clone, was seen publicly smooching the Rack City rapper out and about. Why is this significant? Strap yourself in, because I am about to pull a who do you think you are on you and prove that Hollywood is very small. So Tyga used to be with Black China. They have a child together. Black China used to be with Robert Kardashian. They also share a child together. Rob is half-siblings with Kylie Jenner, who used to date Tyga. Kylie has another half-sibling named Brody Jenner. You might be familiar with him. He was previously in a very serious relationship with Avril Lavigne. They were so serious that they went to Kim Kardashian's wedding to Chris Humphreys. Brody and Kim also kind of vaguely not related by blood, but whatever. Family's intersecting there, obviously, because weddings, whatever. Let's go back to Tyga for a second. Tyga used to be married to someone called Jordan Craig, who was a child with Tristan Thompson, who used to be with Chloe Kardashian, and they share two children together. Chloe Kardashian is Kylie's sister. Also, Courtney Kardashian's sister. Courtney is married to Travis Barker, 
Blink-182 drummer, musician in his own right. He is a record label, which Avril Lavigne is signed to. And also, Travis Barker and Madson are like kind of friends, kind of mentor-mentee situation there. So basically, if you've ever accidentally shifted your cousin before because you didn't know you were related, it was dark, whatever, it's fine because all of Hollywood is essentially spitting into each other's mouths at all times. So there you go. Genealogy be damned, it's time to talk flops. 2006 was a significant year for Colin Farrell. Personally, he filed a lawsuit against his ex-girlfriend for the unauthorised public distribution of his now infamous sex tape. He was dealing with a stalker and he was fresh out of a spell in rehab. Professionally, this was also when the tide began to turn for him as he moved away from blockbusters and epics to focus on independent productions. However, there's one major project from this year that he himself does not rate highly at all. Miami Vice, the TV to film adaptation he starred in alongside Jamie Foxx that was marred by onset demands and a disruptive director. Joining me to talk about the film a little bit more, Farrell's chances at the Oscars and as potentially the next James Bond is comedian and flock culture's first returning guest, Peter McGann. Peter McGann, you are very welcome back to Flop Culture. How are you doing? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me back. <laughs> I'm so thrilled you're back to talk about this in the week leading up to the Oscars. I thought it was only right to revisit this pick because you actually did say this all those months back mm-hmm. when we recorded on Bond. So what did you pick? I picked uh, the film, the 2006 Michael Mann crime thriller, Miami Vice. I love it. I love it. I'd never watched it. I watched it for the first time for this podcast and I did, I did enjoy it. I have to say, I did enjoy it. Not usually my genre. We all know how I feel about SWAT and I at least thought it was better than SWAT. So we're, It's better than SWAT. SWAT yeah. is, or we I'll can't be, talk about SWAT. I'll be here no. all day. Um, why did you pick it? I picked it because I was actually conflicted about picking it. So there's a, there's a, the lore of it is that I, you first brought it up to me to do this and I my notion was it's like my heart said on a Majesty's Secret Service but I was like I felt bad because it's like nearly three hours long it's an old 60s like a James Bond movie I'd be putting Fanula through that so I was like I'll give her the option of Miami Vice either because I was like you know Colin Farrell Miami location Jamie Foxx it's like a bit more uh, maybe easier sell but then you were you went all in for the bond, thank God. <laughs> so then you said, well, have you back for Miami Vice? And I was like, yes. So my one concern with this is that it has become a bit of a, like in like kind of modern day cool film people terms, it's been reclaimed a bit. Mm-hmm. So I hope I'm not just feeling like I'm jumping on a bandwagon here because I did say this ages ago about this thing. But I, uh, yeah, I just lo- I, lo- I love it. I think it's a, it's a ment- mental strange, experimental, weird film that's also about cool, deadly cops driving uh, topless cars around Miami <laughs> and driving mo- go-fast boats called to Cuba for a mojito. <laughs> it's like the best of all worlds. It's, it's like you got re- re- like cool, wild, kind of technical kind of things going on and like weird, artistic kind of stuff going on. And also, yeah, Colin Farrell with, uh, with a Tex-Mex combo and, uh, you know, gravel, just been class. <laughs> so, I love it. So I love it. Um, this is a TV to film ad- adaptation, is that correct? Had you watched the TV series? It's kind of a, like, it's not a full adaptation, yeah. but it's I obviously based off the TV series. I haven't. Because I feel like it just, you know, some old shows like get kind of 
if RT didn't show basically like RT showed the A team so I saw the A team RT never showed Miami Vice as far as I know so I didn't see Miami Vice uh, like if it, it, TV like for me I've you know find TV old TV shows are harder to unless it's on yeah UK Gold or something <laughs> it's hard to track like compared to like all films or whatever yeah. but um, I was aware of it obviously and I love the idea of it uh, like the whole like location of it all and the Don Johnson of it all and like the Ann Hammer team and uh, Phil Collins uh, in, in the, the air tonight, tonight. <laughs> you know like all that shit you're like this sounds amazing but uh, no going into the film I watched the film first in college and I had no um, I just knew that it was meant to be bad and it was not a success mm-hmm. and I watched it and I was like it's kind of cool It's this is a very kind of cool film and then rewatched. but again I had no real kind of and since when I was we were doing this podcast since I rewatched it for with before I came on here I kind of looked into it more and all the characters all the cops characters they all have they're all based on people from the show it's like it is like a, it is a genuine kind of whatever you call it reboot or re, remake just done in a very kind of serious way which I, I didn't I didn't know or expect so it is a, it is a genuine kind of reboot of the, the series but also I don't yeah he, Michael Mann had no interest in doing a straight up like tonal Kind of the same thing, which probably helped it. For anyone who hasn't watched, and also kind of for me, because I'm not really sure I fully understand why they ended up having to go undercover, but for everyone else as well, what's it about? Okay, so it's about two uh, two detectives who are, the, the, the opening scene of the film, they're in the middle of this kind of sting in a nightclub for this people trafficker, um, who are... Yeah, he seems to be a people trafficker. The, the, yeah. the thing about the film is nothing is explained unless it's really explained in dense technical language. Otherwise, you're just dropped in, you have to adapt. So they're on this mission. One of them gets a call. Colin Farrell, Sonny Crockett, and then Ricardo Tubbs is played by James Fox. Uh, Sonny, Colin Farrell gets a call from an old informant from an old job um, who is speeding down the highway and he's basically rambling, saying they're busted. So they do a bit of quick phone calls and favourite pulling and they work out the job he's on now. They manage to track him down, find out that he's basically been this kind of go-between for the Aryan Brotherhood. So like these right-wing guys uh, on this drug deal that was actually an FBI sting. One thing leads to another, he ends up killing himself because his wife is murdered by these guys. So now the two guys uh, want in on the, on whatever this kind of this operation is, which turns out, so, and they come up with a way to kind of infiltrate the Aryan Brotherhood by going undercover as kind of smugglers for drugs. It's very like, again, you're going to have to, it doesn't explain things unless it's in very technical jargon. What I gauge from it is they basically, under, they undermine that, the current uh, transportation system for smuggling the mm-hmm. drugs into Miami. Um, and then they present themselves as these smugglers who can do that. And they end up meeting the kind of the suppliers, who are the Colombian cartel, basically. And there, there's this beautiful woman called Isabella, who's like married to the head of the cartel, and she's actually the brains behind the operation, or at least fifty-fifty. And herself and Sonny Crockett, played by Colin Farrell, have this love story. And then it's kind of your classic. It's that classic like guy goes undercover, falls in love with someone he shouldn't, and everyone's very suspicious of him, and then it all goes wrong. So, 
certainly does all go wrong, doesn't it? Like, yeah. what? what what, was Sonny thinking? Like, I was just, like, their story is so compelling, but it's also like, surely it's crime, police 101. Maybe don't start shagging around while you're deep undercover as drug smugglers slash transporters. Exactly. And that's the thing about it is like, because it's not, it's not a traditional film in terms of like, you don't know Sonny's inner life. You don't see him like, you don't see where he's come from. You don't have these like kind of traditional character beats from. So when he does start kind of cracking up, like it's all done through looks. Like it's like these people just have this really immediate connection and you just have to accept that. You see the look between them, they share a look and then they share another look. And next thing, the second they're left alone, they're dancing the tango and riding. Mm. And it's like you kind of, most other films would give a lot more, I think, to the kind of build up to that or the uh, maybe kind of justifying why it, because it is, it is so sudden and it is so like, yeah, you're like, these guys are meant to be pros and he's like doing, as you said, yeah, the one thing, it's the one thing you shouldn't <laughs> do. And uh, and he's dressing up as like, no, this is good, this is good. You know, he's obviously kind of lying to himself and the people around was like, no, this is, you know, this is a way in to this operation. But And then she is doing the exact same thing with her kind of crew where she's like, she's like, no, this is, you know, this is, you know, a positive thing, but they're clearly in love. And uh, yeah, it all goes wrong. What do you think of their, uh, Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx's, I should say, relationship? Because that's another thing. As much as we don't get much into their individual characters, it isn't really a buddy cop movie in comparison to some others. Like there isn't really, I didn't get this anyway, a strong relationship between them. And you don't, I I felt like the stakes were kind of low there between them, if that makes sense. I completely agree with you. Watching it this time, I was like, if I was to pick apart the one kind of clanging kind of thing for me, like the thing that is the flaw of the film is like the two of them there is no, there, the connection there isn't felt. So then when the thing towards the end, when they're, the moments like with a little, little fist bump in the car when they're about to head off and rescue um, a, a character from being kidnapped and stuff, there, there's moments where it's like, it feels like it could be way more earned or way more like emotive if if there was a bit of build up to it or whatever. But it, they're just, it just isn't there. Like, like Ricardo Tubbs, and from what I understand, it is very much Sonny Crockett is the lead of the show as well. Mm. So it, it it's kind of, it isn't necessarily an even keeled two-hander, but like Sonny or Ricard, uh, Jamie Foxx disappears basically the whole middle of the film. Like the whole kind of, the second Isabella comes into it and they have this relationship thing, he's barely in it. And then he comes back into it in the end and it's all, I don't know, it, it doesn't have the kind of, uh, you you know, the the relationship is not is not on the most like kind of believable footing. When, when you think about other films that he's done, like Thief or Heat, even if they're not strictly two-handers, like the relationships there always have this kind of foundation or this kind of, there's a, he sells the connections a lot better than he does here. And I wonder is that to do with, because Jamie Foxx instigated this project before he became megastar Oscar winner, Jamie Foxx or Oscar nominee Jamie Foxx, I think winner. But uh, he, um, so he instigated the project so then by the time the project came around, he was the probably the bigger star. Like I remember I was in secondary school when it was announced and I was really enthused by Jamie Foxx over Colin Farrell in a way. The two of them was excited, but like he was kind of the big thing because at the time he was like, just I just thought he was the best actor going. Yeah, but, he had just won the Academy Award won, and then yeah. signed on to this and basically essentially just started throwing his weight around. Exactly. Like he's looking for 
a bigger salary, like yeah. other compensation. He wanted top billing in the film's credits, even though he's, as you've said, yeah. technically not the lead actor. His salary was raised. Colin Farrell took a cut on his own to also address this. Like, he just seemed to have been kind of a bit of a nightmare. on Bit of a well. nightmare. And like, that thing of, so I feel like, because if the film gives the impression and of like being kind of, uh, you know, I'd say like, it was, you know, it was, he adapted as he went almost, uh, Michael Mann. So I feel like maybe if, if Jamie Foxx had been a bit sound or maybe, I, I feel like it just probably was like easier just to kind of keep, because it was quite, I, I assume quite a, you know, a film that was kind of adapted on the fly. It has the feel of something that wasn't like, this is the script and these are the locations, like, like there's reports like Michael Mann going down, finding locations, going in places where the cops wouldn't even go. So it's like, he's got, he's like, almost like the film is developing as they're shooting it. Mm. So I feel like maybe he was like, this guy's more trouble than he's worth. Why would I write, keep writing stuff in from? So I feel like maybe that ended up, like the film suffered as a result of that. Because he wasn't, because uh, he just was, he just him and Fox weren't getting on, or they, they, Fox wasn't playing ball. So he's like, well, I'm not gonna try and dance around you when it's already a very intense sound and shoot. And Farrell was in the throes of like addiction and all the rest of it. Like that man down in Miami, like in kind of probably around a lot of unsavory elements from the film alone. I'd say he was having a, he was hard enough to keep tabs on. Then it's like I'm not gonna be dancing around for this guy who isn't addicted he's, he's just been a kind of diva but the one thing now and it's like at the time I think it was a bit like oh, eye rolling at this kind of behaviour but at, now I think he'd come off Jamie Foxx come off better in the way kind of things are now I think like a crew member was shot mm. so then he basically refused wherever they were whatever kind of kind of location they were he was like I'm not shooting outside the States for the rest of this film so he flew home was basically we're we're not going anywhere else like and at the t- and Michael Mann had to rewrite the film apparently there was a totally different ending mm. um, and what you have there is at the time was like this kind of cool you know artist who's kind of ma- making his art whatever cost and this kind of like soft diva actor whereas now I think the narrative would be if that happened Fox would be presented as in the right and Michael Mann would be this like toxic kind of you know putting people in danger for, the, you know, like... Uh, for the sake of it. Well, he was bringing Colin Farrell on like these fake yeah. drug, but well, he was leading Colin Farrell to believe, I think, that they were like real, but they were they ended up being mm-hmm. fake. These fake drug busts to like really immerse themselves in, which I mean, I suppose is kind of all well and good in one sense. I'm not sure I fully agree with that argument, but again, you're also going back to a man who like, this is really the peak of his addiction. Like he checks yeah. into rehab Straight immediately after. after finishing this project. Like, Yeah, no, I'm sure like I'm sure if you were to pick the worst project to be on if you were uh, like addicted to cocaine and alcohol or whatever else I'm sure like a Miami based drug dealer uh, film uh, directed and written by a madman is probably the high on the list of things you should probably not be doing yeah but, probably uh, not ideal no. not ideal so I'd say it was a lot of stress and I don't think it doesn't sound like Farrell is the most hap- happiest opinion of the film like I found a quote, but it was in fairness from a good few years ago, where he just it, it sounded like he wasn't as ha- too happy with the final result. But I think he's incredible in it. I do think that whatever magic himself and man were cooking up, he is the business in it. I think like Jamie Foxx is really good in it, but I, we were saying like he's not 
he's not doing a whole lot in it and he doesn't have a whole lot to work with. And that man, when that man is on, he's like one of the most charismatic people to ever be on mm. film. And now in this, he's like very much like the sensible kind of worried guy um, who's like kind of checking in on his mate, whereas like Farrell is kind of the wild card. And I think Farrell is just amazing. Like you're like looking at a man, I don't know what age he was. Was he even 30? Oh God, I don't know, 2006 he, and he's like 40... Six forty four now. Adam's googling. I only, I only vaguely know this because there was talk of him being banned potentially, which we'll talk about later oh. on because that brings us nicely back to the episode. But yeah, like it's, it's strange because it, again, I don't know what this was like. So when this movie came out, I was eleven, right, and mm-hmm. didn't really have any. Obviously, didn't see it in cinema at the time. Didn't really have any huge interest. But my limited understanding of the media and how. Colin was being positioned at that time was like this was going to be his comeback because yeah. he was coming off the back of he was coming out of the addiction obviously mm-hmm. he was and coming off the back of several severe flops mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, kind of didn't really I'm just after checking it was 2006 right yeah, yeah. Uh, he was bang on 30 whoa whoa a child, a child. actually when you think about yeah. it a child Um. It it kind of seemed like this was positioned anyway for to be his comeback mm-hmm. in inverted commas, and then this didn't fully stick the landing again. I don't think, but at the same time, he's not the worst thing about this movie, and I would say again, he's probably one of the best things about it. It was, and it was one of those things that me and Dave talked about again on the Colin Farrell episode. Even some of his worst movies, like he brings a lot to them. I just think it's everything else and I think it was maybe bad choices, you know, obviously he was struggling a lot at the time. It's, it's kind of, it's hard to watch and I, mm-hmm. and I remember yeah, when it, it didn't do, when it didn't do that well, I'm doing inverse commas because it did make money back and like it's had these retrospective reviews that are like, mm-hmm. no, actually the movie's pretty good, whatever. Um, it's just, it's hard to see. I just wish I could go back and be like, Justice for Colin. Mm, <laughs> he was my voice at that time. Like, because it's just, he's he's streets ahead of Fox in this, in my opinion. I I completely agree. I think you're looking at a man, Fox, you're looking at a guy who doesn't want to be there, thinks he's above it, and is probably checking his watch every time they got cut. This is, this is going to be complete slander, but that's the impression. From the stories you hear about it and just the way things are, like he's totally, he's capable of being bad, but he's just like, he's just there to kind of do his thing. Whereas Farrell is like, it's like, even if he's like, even like he's just, there's a wildness to him in this film and it's like definitely not just the character or the writing. It's like, he, you just feel like he's a man on the edge and that makes, it's a very bewitching kind of thing to be watching It's in this kind of film because it's not a traditional cop on the edge kind of thing. It's, you're, they're not doing the kind of tropey kind of side of it. It's more like they have someone who genuinely is on the edge and they're putting him in all these high risk situations. And I think the, there's three kind of secret weapons there's three kind of MVPs of this it's like Michael Mann Farrell and uh, Gong Lee who plays Isabella who's like his love interest and I think their stuff is the stuff where like I could watch that like every every year once a year I'd watch that film just for that stuff like it's like this kind of you're kind of like he just makes he's this way where it's like he can make himself look in love with any, genuinely in love with anyone and she looks like Gong Lee is a very seasoned actress she's 11 years older than Farrell she's in the business a lot longer than him but you're like watching you're like she genuinely seems like she is, adores this man it's like insane chemistry and uh, and I think that's the kind of the heart of the film for me and the kind of 
the soul of the film. And I think it's why one of the reasons that and the style of it are the reasons why it's been reclaimed in recent years or in like very recent years is because it's like if it was just an exercise in style and like kind of the music and, you know, the the suits and all that, I think it wouldn't have the have the kind of the, the coming back around kind of reputation it has. But like the two of them are amazing together. It's like it's, it's I I couldn't kind of believe rewatching it like how how invested I was in it. Because when I watched it in college I think you would have been investing as well, but there was all this other stuff going on and it's kind of a dense film the first time you watch it, you're trying to kind of keep up and, you, and you're and you going into it with this kind of, oh, this isn't going to be that good. This is going to be a bit of a flawed thing. This didn't, you know. But then when you're going back to it with the kind of perspective of like years and years and years and you're not too, you're not too caught up in like, there's well, there's no hype around it really. Uh, you kind of can see the kind of, its attributes for what they are. And I think that's the main one for me now. Is the two of them. I go to Cuba for mojitos. <laughs> Going dancing. Shagging in cars. Shagging in cars. Like that bit. <laughs> and again, it's like stuff where you're like, stuff where it's all told through glances. Like the stuff in the, where they, they, they have that, um, that kind of time in Cuba and then they're meeting again and they get into the car and she puts up the thing and they're not even saying it. And it's just, it's it's amazing direction and it's amazing performances where you do, all you do is like put a camera on these two very amazing, and they can just sell the connection and sell the anticipation of it. There's not, it's you're not doing a lot. You're you're not doing a lot of like kind of technical wizardry or like kind of you know you're not working hard to make it sell that these two people are could destroy everything by hooking up. It's like they just do that with their with their with glances with like a little touching with like just very kind of simple filmmaking techniques. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Talk to me about Michael Mann. What else has he worked on? Who is he for anyone who doesn't know? He is... Is he from Chicago? He's from, he Basically, he's been around since the 70s. He um, he is a writer, director, and producer. He's behind the original Miami Vice. He's behind um, the film. The most famous film of his is Heat. He's also done like the Muhammad Ali biopic with um, Will Smith and... And last the Mohicans, the Dan Day Lewis film, like he's done loads of big kind of. In the nineties was kind of his like absolute like peak, but he um he's he's been around for ages, done amazing stuff. Collateral with Tom Cruise and Jamie Fox, like an absolute baller film. Basically, he's done a few different genres, but his main genre is like crime, and he's he's a stickler for like 
that kind of realism. So it's like he will like drill his actors and like put them through the paces and he'll research, research, research and he'll use real kind of former criminals and former cops, uh, some of whom have gone on to like amazing acting careers like Dennis Farina. So like he's, he just has this, he's, he's particular for realism, but it's not, he does, he's not like a documentary kind of filmmaker. He's like quite big and operatic and he loves like sweeping love stories and he loves like, like, like horrible villains and kind of tortured anti-heroes. He loves all that good stuff of drama, but he's like also brings this kind of later realism to it, which is so kind of, it's just so hard to get right and so hard to stick to your guns and pull off, but he does it so well. Like, I was kind of watching my advice the other day and there's bits in it like the open nightclub scene and uh, the Cuba stuff and I was like, is this the best film I've ever seen? You just watch it and it's not. <laughs> but I feel the same way when I'm watching like Heat or Thief with James Caan, his like, first film or yeah his first film or, or like collateral one of those like his crime movies when you watch it like there's points where you're like am I watching this why would I watch anything else other than this it's like it's just like it's next and it's become he's he's a bit of like you know there's these guys who are in like it's like Martin Scorsese Quentin it's like they're in these like they're like the red flag filmmaker kind of things they're like oh you're oh, real groundbreaking you like them but then you watch like again you're watching like again I'm watching Miami Vice one of his like lesser films by anyone's standard and you're like this is some of the best shit I've ever seen I and like so he's basically like he's he's a tough guy he's a hard kind of probably not fun to work for but he makes very very amazing kind of films um, that are all about kind of very similar themes and kind of similar worlds I still haven't seen Heat I need to see Heat I think you'd love Heat because Heat is like because I'm watching uh, Miami Vice. I think people were annoyed with Miami Vice when it came out because it's not, you're like, the guy who made Heat is like making this like cop, another cop epic, but he's doing it kind of weird and kind of jaggedy and like, not like it's not, whereas Heat is like kind of, it's like you perfect the genre and then all you can do from then on is like dissect the genre and kind of disassemble it, take it apart, put it back together in weird ways. But Heat is like, it's incorrect. Like it, the, the hype is real with Heat. It's like just the most amazing cop versus criminal film ever made. Um, you mentioned a quote that Colin Farrell had about the movie and I, th I think this is the one you mean and it is a few years old but he seems to agree with us in terms of mm. what we think went wrong with it. He said, I didn't like it so much. I thought it was style over some substance and I accept a good bit of the responsibility. That bit kind of makes me sad. Uh, it was never going to be a lethal weapon but I think we missed an opportunity to have a friendship that also had some elements of fun. Yeah, I think it's, I, I, that's exactly the quote. It's, what I think was missing from it was the, if they, if you, if there was like, it was like an even keel almost between Farrell, Gong Lee and Fox. So where you would have Sonny Crockett in the middle of these two and it's almost like kind of a love triangle without it actually, you know, a bit of a, or something there and I just, it just didn't have that. I just didn't have the, he was just, he just had such little impact on the main story, Fox did, that in, in an, outside of just like killing the bad guy at the end or, you know, a spoiler alert, but you know, it's like, he, it it's like, if you're this far in and yeah. you haven't watched, what are you doing here, to be honest? Exactly. But another thing, and this is, a, I think, I was watching it last night and I feel like it's almost like he went so out of his way to not, Michael Mann, to not, for it not to be the TV show, like, the movie version of the TV show, or where, which it could have been like, you know, it could have been like any number of those kind of films. He 
went so out of his way to make it this different, weird, jaggedy thing that I think, but then he, he didn't then with the cop stuff, I feel like the final shootout, the bad guys all die and none of the, the team dies, which is like kind of par for the course for a TV show. But for a film that otherwise is going out of its way to be this very strange, dark, real, like... Different, uh, different thing. Yeah, it's like, you would, you know... Like, again, Trudy, kind of the Jamie Foxx character's girlfriend played by um, Naomi Harris. Like, there's this whole tense subplot where she's kidnapped and they they rescue her. It's this amazing set piece, they rescue her. Uh, yeah, I will say that is very good and mm. that is genuinely very tense feeling. And when they're leaving the kind of the place where she was been held... The bad guy's watching this on like, you know, closed circuit TV or whatever and he activates a bomb and it's so shocking. My jaw was like, oh, I completely, I completely forgot it happened. But she doesn't die and obviously there's a whole thing it's like, oh, why does the woman have to die in these films to make things? But I feel like it, it, it almost felt in those moments like it was the TV show. You know, at the end, she's hooked up with all the machines at the end and then, oh, she's going to be okay or the implication is she's going to be okay. You know, I suppose find out. Comes out of the coma, yeah. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff where you're like, Odd that he kind of stuck with that kind of feeling of the TV show, yet everything else kind of went out of his way to make it feel like this like new kind of piece. Because it's as well the digital. What did you think of the digital? The the the, the quality of the digital. Because some of it is very noticeable. It was almost like like it's some of the stuff when they're driving at night. It's like like a handicap most of the time. Like it's very very like it's like at the time I think Jaren like when I saw Collateral in the cinema and I remember seeing Public Enemies his, his other film a few years later and I loved it I remember, especially Public Enemies but at the time like people hated it mm. and Miami Vice they hated the look mm. of it because it's got this whole other like aesthetic that no one was used to I kind of liked it because of that. Mm. I would say I would like to see it on a on a big screen. I think mm. there's a, obviously such a difference between watching it on like a laptop or a TV at home than actually seeing it in cinema. But I kind of thought that was the point. Like, yeah, that was the point. But I can under I can totally understand the reaction at the time to being mm. like, "What the fuck is this? Like, what am I watching?" Because you're showing them a whole new way of doing it, and it's like, "No, just show us the thing that we like." As, you know, <laughs> is, which is like even more so than any storytelling stuff, right? Like that. It's like when it's actually like your way of experience and taking it in visually, it's a very kind of jarring thing. Mm. You are here because we are talking about Colin and the Oscars yes. that are happening imminently. Yes. Uh, he is up for the Banshees of Inishirin. Yes. And I've talked about this with many people over the last few weeks, what we think of his chances. The SAGs have obviously happened since he didn't win there. Yes. He didn't win at the BAFTAs. So far, the only award he's picked up over the award season is the Golden Globe. Yes. How do we rate his chances for the Oscars? I will say this as someone who hasn't seen uh, all the films, but I have I thought seen. I thought you were to say that you hadn't seen Banshees of Inishirin. No, I was going to be like, Vinishirin. cut this, cut this. I think that just purely going off my viewing of things online or whatever I feel like there's such goodwill towards him I wouldn't be surprised and it's not a comeback but it's a li- it's um, like it's almost like he's had two careers he's had the the, the the career that led up to Miami Vice then he then the, that which was like Hollywood movie star Colin Farrell he's the next big movie star and then there's the career that kind of started within Bruges maybe the second phase of his career where it's like Colin Farrell indie kind of darling who like has enough credibility and cachet to get these kind of small movies made and 
and he's but he's also got this movie star kind of charisma thing still going on. But so then it's like he's kind of ramped. It's almost like he's ramped back up from in Bruges to this, and it's almost like this kind of great kind of coming home from. So I think he, I think for both the quality of his performance and for that reason, I think he's in for a mighty shout. Now I am not good at this stuff. I'm not like good at, but that's my gut feeling. Would be if I was going to throw a few Bob down, I would throw it on him. I'd love him to get it. Me I just too. Really would. Me too. And uh, what do you think about the other lads' chances? Brendan Gleeson kind of hasn't gotten a look in. Through, like has. as much as he's got nominations, there's no conversation around him. So we leave him out of it. Let's just assume he doesn't win. No offense, Brendan. Is he Brendan, up for sorry. supporting? I'm. I'd give oh. it to Barry Keown from that film. Adam's going to check. Barry is definitely up, and I think he. He's incredible. He is. In he's film. really good in that film. Uh, he is up with a better shout, I think, and I. Would love to see Kerry kind of sneak in, but I yeah. don't know if she will. No, I think the 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 female categories are like as competitive, if not more, oh, yeah. than the male Big categories. Time. Big time! It's amazing she's even nominated because it's like she's like been around for ages, but it's not like she's like a, a name per se the way the mm. others are. So, and even in the the other female sporting. Yes, I thought give that. it to Kellen over him. I think, and I think he would. If anyone's going to get it, it's going to be Barry. Barry, I think, mm. over Brendan. But I don't know. Will any of them? Yeah, it's a thing. Which is, I don't know. We'll see. We have all our fingers and toes and everything. And I think Farrell will win it. I, I have it in me. I feel it in my waters. He's going to win it. Because I just think it's been a weird award season because you have like there seemed to be that early rush with the Golden Globes with them, and you have. The story has always been kind of positive around him. But then I don't mm. know if you know this, like him and Brendan, I think Brendan got it, but Colin definitely did, got COVID again, was fucked with COVID. So I don't think he's been out as much actively mm. like campaigning. So I think he might not be in the forefront of people's yeah, minds. Yeah, yeah. Then you also have like Austin picked up. So Austin got the Golden Globe in the drama category for the men, for the leading actors. And then obviously you have Lisa Marie Presley dies. Well, that's why oh, voting happens yeah. so to be cynical I think that is going to play a part in that but you mentioned this off mic there is a conversation around Austin Butler being like why will you not stop doing the accent you yeah. fucking weirdo um, which isn't a game which isn't like the, by any means set in stone like and he's incredible and it's like a, like it, you should just be voting on the film well a little bit for the career it's nice to kind of like to kind of you know give people their due but but I think Butler is like next level good in it. Mm. But it's like, um, you know, he's a young fella. He'll be around forever. I wouldn't, I'm not like, as much as I loved the Elvis thing, it's great crack and he's amazing. I'm like, I'm not like, my heart isn't set on him. Like, as, well, of course it's not because it's like, you know, come Monday, you're just not blind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, like fucking, I haven't seen After Sun, but I hope Mescal beats. Have you, <laughs> you not know? seen After Sun? No, I want to, but it's obviously it's a yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of the ones like I want to see it in the cinema, but I'm obviously yeah, you're you're letting yourself in for emotional emotional wreckage. turmoil. Yeah, that's I, yeah, I've I talked to a few people this week that think it could that he could sneak it, which I because they obviously have a better understanding of how the votes work. Yeah. That it's like maybe like a trickle down thing of the, that he might sneak it in that way, but. As much as I do think he deserves it, there's a part of me that thinks 
And again, I get the argument that it's like we should be arguing about the film that we're seeing and it shouldn't be a career overview thing, but I, I can't help but do it, especially after doing this podcast on Colin Farrell, yeah. that I'm just like, if anyone deserves it, mm. it's him. And I know there's an argument for Brendan Fraser as well. I haven't seen The Whale. I don't know if I will. And like, I want Brendan Fraser to have the world. I'm not sure if I want it with this film. And I'll say that even without seeing yeah. it. Like, I have no qualms about doing that. I just, it, I feel icky even... But whatever, no, I don't exactly. know. And then poor Bill Nighy. Poor Bill Nighy is never going to look in like, would you, you'd forget he's dominated. No, like. I didn't. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, God, apparently the film is amazing. But like, yeah, it's kind of like, I'm sure he's got that British upper lip thing of like, it's not my time. Yeah. yeah. But like, obviously, it's not like Bill Nighy's getting nominated every year. He's not like, he's the, he's very much a character actor over the others. Like, so I'm sure he's like, fuck, this was my. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, in that instance, maybe I want Maybe the English do it. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like it's an insane Irish turnout. Like it's insane. It's like, and it bodes well for just our the perception of us and the work kind of coming down the pike and you would hope. But I think, yeah, Farler to win it. That's my heart says it. But then it's like the Academy and someone's literally playing Elvis Presley. Like it's gonna be fucking Austin Butler. It's like like I like the 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 roundup of people who have won for playing famous singers specifically is mm. like there's a lot of them. It's like it's like just a thing that people like to see in the Academy and vote for. We'll see. We'll see. Um, as Flap Culture's official Bond correspondent, I did all want also want to ask you about. You mean correspondent? Adam, you're fired. Stealing the good jokes. Um, you are official. That's, this can be a regular. The correspondent. Now over to our correspondent. Caris- no, I am going to call you back whenever the yes. new Bond is announced. But yes. there are rumbles, rumors rumblings, I don't know, about Colin Farrell's odds uh, of playing Bond. They have been slashed. Now, I don't know if this is just like, you know, nice goodwill and like he's Mm. in the press and yada, yada, yada. But how likely do you think it is? Would you like to see him as Bond? I wouldn't, no. It's kind of like as much as I love Bond, I don't want to see interesting kind of actors who I like play that part. You just want big, gorgeous dummies. (laughs) I want that, but also you just want someone who's like... Who has a has no baggage themselves, so you kind of they're like a blank slate. Mm. So it's like they are James Bond, which doesn't bode well for our future career prospects. But that's not my problem. <laughs> uh, so whereas like if it's like when people are saying Tom Hardy's in the running, and you're like, in theory, I would love to see Tom Hardy play Bond, but I'm also like, I'd much rather see Tom Hardy play three different gangsters every year mm. and do weird mumbly things with his voice. Like that's what he's putting this earth to do. Like he's not putting this earth to play Bond, like the way like Connery was mm. or even like Craig was so um, yeah I don't know I, I I wouldn't like to see Farrell as Bond no I don't think he'd want to do it I don't think so either I think he's I think he's very now money talks and all that mm. but I just think he's is he's moved past that phase in his career I think to be honest I think if he'd been asked around the time of the, the flops and all the cop movies I think there would have been a better chance. Oh, also, yeah. there's the thing, like Barbara Broccoli has come out and said, or one, one of them has come out and said that the Bond is going to be in their 30s because I think, or mid to late 30s because I think there was talk of Tom Holland at one point and then they had to come out and be like, no, he's literally a child. We're not, not a hope. Like it's yeah. whatever. Even if, he, even if he's 40, I hope they never cast him. Just a little, just like you need someone with a little blood in their veins, you know. Tom mm. Holland is, 
you know, you can't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't, he wouldn't get up and. <laughs> I just can't see him now. He wouldn't get up and ride a woman. Is that what you're home. trying to infer? No, no, <laughs> no. He just. He just doesn't have like. But it's like he's like a nice, sweet guy. Bond should push you down the stairs, like, and shoot you in the kneecaps. True, you know. But uh, no, Farrell, no, no, no. I like. I want Farrell to kind of, kind of. If if movies start coming back, like I've been watching a lot of like '90s kind of thrillers, like Tony Scott movies and stuff like that, like. Lately, and I'm like, if movies like that came back, I'd love to see Farrah playing like a lawyer or something. Stuff in movies, like like kind of like an alcoholic lawyer come back for one case, or like a like a like a private eye, or something. Stuff like that. Movies like that. That's where I want Farrell to live. Like kind of cool leading man parts in like you know grown up dramas. Mm. Michael Clayton. Stick Colin Farrell in a Michael Clayton type of film where he's like shady, but also you want him to kind of win out at the end and. It's like a good, well-written, kind of exciting film, but it's also not like a Marvel film or one of them yokes. Yeah, no Marvels. I don't no. think he'll do a Marvel either, though, to be honest. I hope to God he won't. He probably would, like... Actually, maybe for his kids, because I know yeah. he's talked about that a little bit, but... If Jake Gyllenhaal would do one, then Farrell would do one, I'd say. But I also kind of feel like the Marvel thing is kind of going out of... I do too, yeah. ...style now, yeah. and the way the movies themselves... Like, this phase is not phasing in the way that I think... Marvel wants it to, like even that Ant-Man, people hate that Ant-Man. It's like, like how did, it can't last forever. It's like that kind of thing, it just can't last forever. It's like in the, like in Hollywood in the 60s made all those big musicals like Dr. Doolittle and like, because, you know, My Fair Lady was good business, you know, all those kind of films and then eventually they were making these things as like, who wants these? Like Mm. it was grand, like the novelty factor, the second, these are the kind of novelty movies. It's like, it's not like, well, everything's kind of a novelty but it's like, Superhero movies, it's like there's a novelty factor to going to see these movies. And then if that's all they are, you just feel like, it's like, wow, I can't see another one of these yokes. What are you on about? So like, they, it was never going to last forever. I think, I'd be interested, because there's no actually, but what it's done now is made that there's no actual stars anymore. Mm. There's no movie stars. There's like actors who can command big paychecks because they're associated with one role. Like, but there's all there's no like kind of people you're like, I need to see the new X, Y, Z. Well, there is, the odd couple, but like... But it's kind of evened the playing field in like a bad way bad nearly. Way, yeah. Like it's, it, you can't distinguish who's actually good and who's just been in a lot of stuff that's exactly. made a lot of money. Who would you now be like, I want to see go to the cinema because this person is in it? Mm, like, like, <laughs> this is kind of a cop out, but like, Colin I would, Paul I would, Paul Mescal. I don't know uh-huh. why I'm saying them my first name. Uh, in Some terms Irish. of, I'm trying to think of women. Yeah. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I still need to see her. Uh, I feel like Margot Robbie is like somehow swinging it because she's not been in like films that, the last while anyway, that have done gang. But I no, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, and I don't, I mean this in the least disrespectful way possible, but I'm kind of over it. Like I've, the last few things she has, she's been in, as you said, have not been that good. Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't speak for like Babylon because I haven't seen it, but like they haven't been, they definitely haven't been successful. But she's still, she's somehow kind of in that world where she will like, there's still a little bit of like eventness to her being in Because I think she came out of the gate so strong with like Wolf of Wall Street. I remember seeing her in that and I, you're just like, holy shit, this is like a movie star. Mm. I'll go see Barbie. Sorry, I don't oh, know yeah, why. Barbie. I, yeah, Barbie. 
I'll go see Barbie. Uh, I'm having a Pedro Pascal fixation, so mm. if he's in something, I'll probably go to that. He's TV. He's not a movie star. But that's the end. When I'm thinking it. of people, yeah. they're all TV people. I know. It's like I'm watching, like, you, you watch some guys and you're like, these are, it's like John Hamm, it's like Brian Cranston, amazing actors, but like they're TV actors. John Hamm is not a movie actor. Mm. John Hamm's not someone you want to see on the big screen unless, you know, uh, you, not that you don't want to see him up there, but it's like, they work best in their, like, in in TV, in like, in a, in these amazing roles, but like, TV nonetheless, but it's like, whereas like, even if they're not as good actors as them, there's other people that you just want to be seeing, like, yeah, Mescal definitely is like a proper, he's got that star kind of quality to him now. See Irish, you know? Yeah. Sausage ball. We've, we've just got it. We've just got it. What can I say? Um... Peter, it's been a pleasure. Where can people come and see you tell jokes? They can come <laughs> and see me tell jokes. It is. I'm doing a tour called Great Lad. Which you are. Which I am doing. I'm doing it March the 24th in Liberty Hall, which is sold out. But who knows? You can keep an eye on and see. And then the rest of the time, <laughs> the Great Lad is performed in September. Cocklands or Coughlin's Cork. September the 14th. I say, I say, I say Collins, oh, but Collins. I think... That's it, it's Collins. Yeah, that is right. people say, and when they say Nicola Coughlin, I'm like, that's not her name. But then she probably, she calls herself Coughlin. Yeah. Anyway, that's Collins, I, I much prefer Collins. So Collins in Cork. And the September the 14th. In Vicar Street, uh, September the 15th. Dolan's in Limerick, uh, September 16th. The Town Hall Studio in Galway is in the September... Town Hall Studio, Town Hall Theatre in Galway is September the 21st. Port Leash, I'm doing Cavanagh's on the 22nd and in Dundalk in the Spirit Store on September the 23rd. So that's two weeks, very intense shows uh, of my show, Great Lad. It's a very stupid, well, hopefully we, very funny show. You're going national. I'm going national, baby. Is our is our friend Mr. Nugent going to be there? Friend, Yes, he is, because unfortunately I, um, you know, as an internet uh, content creator, I have no business in live performing so uh, so Liam is going to step in for some of the show and do some uh, do some jokes and do some kind of topical humour Love it. if you don't know who Liam Nugent is you need to buy tickets to the show and you, you will find out and you, you will have such a great time and I'll be at the Vicar Street one so Thank come you, over and we can we can clap and shout for Peter that'll be nice um, such a pleasure you are always welcome back I will always I, come back I will draft you in for a bonus episode whenever our bond is Bond is announced. Maybe even after the first Bond comes out, we can talk about it. Little yes, movie club. Yes, yes. Correspondent. Correspondent. Yes. <laughs> Peter McGann, thank you so much for joining me once again on Flop Culture. Thank you. Big thank you to Peter for joining us in Flop Culture Towers once again. I will leave all of the dates he mentioned below in the show notes. I'm really looking forward to the show. It's going to be so good. Before I let you go for another week, let's talk Top of the flops. You're a flop. Top of the flops. I was spoiled for choice this week. I mean, who do we pick? Nick Cannon and his fake uh, baby show. Yes, that's not real. There was a, a trailer, kind of a clip put out this week in which Kevin Hart is hosting the show where women compete to bear Nick Cannon's next child. Love dystopia. Big fan of that. Um, it's part of a show that Kevin Hart's doing. It's not real. Uh, so the aliens don't need to come and get us just yet. But flat behaviour anyway, to be honest, for engaging with that. So honorary flap to him. Tom Sandoval, flat behaviour cheating on your on your missus. That's all I'll say there. 
Vanderpump Rules fans, I stand with you. I won't pretend like I know what you're going through, but I stand with you there. But there could really only be one. Well, technically it's a collective. A collective top of the flops this week. The Burke family. Teacher Enoch Burke, he's been in the news for a long, long time, longer than I anyone would care to admit or want, to be completely honest. Uh, himself, five members of his family were forcibly removed from the Court of Appeal this week by Gardaí. Uh, one person was arrested during the incident and has been charged with threatening and abusive behaviour at Dublin District Court. Love to see that. So Enoch was in court. He and he had an appeal in against injunctions granted by the High Court last year directing him not to trespass at Wilson's Hospital School in Multifarnham. County Westmeath, where he previously taught. Uh, he kept turning up. We've all seen the memes of him at the gate, uh, just standing there, just refusing to leave. Never met a man more committed to work, like, loves capitalism. Enoch Burke loves capitalism. Uh, but he was in court this week with his parents, Shauna Martina and his siblings, sister Amy and his brothers Isaac and Simeon. Uh, and as it became clear that the court was ruling against him, his sister, Amy, started interrupting the appeal court president, Mr. Justice George Birmingham, began shouting about her brother's constitutional rights, um, which is interesting when you consider uh, the fact that Enoch didn't really care about anyone's rights in the school. But anyway, that's another story for another day. So the judge told her to sit down, ask Gardy to remove her from the courtroom. But she continued to shout at the three judges and was joined by other family members in what became what's the singing equivalent of a flash mob or like a shouting equivalent? They just all started shouting at the judges. Uh, Martina Burke, Enoch's mom, told the judges they were bowing before the altar of transgenderism. I love that Fall Out Boy song, personally. After the judges had left the bench for a second time, Amy was dragged from the courtroom by Gardy. There were scuffles, struggles, chaotic scenes. Other members of the Burke family were resisting attempts by Gardy to remove them. Enoch Burke at one point shouting, leave my father alone, called Gardy thugs. Uh, Enoch and his brother Isaac were restrained by two other Gardy, and then one of them was fully like, like all, all fours, like a human stretchered out of the court. And I mean, yeah, sitting on the floor, this is Isaac, sitting on the floor, dragged out himself, accused the Gardy of dragging two elderly people out of court. And the funny thing about it is, so there's obviously loads of journalists there covering this. There's also a lot of transition year students, obviously there for whatever you do in transition year, just having a great day off, witnessing history in the making and like probably one of the most entertaining scenes they've seen in a long time. And as much as it is funny, right, and I saw some very good clips, Victoria's Secret has up on her stories the clip of... Uh, Isaac being dragged out and it's the old Keeping Up With The Kardashians theme over it. Very good. Also saw a clip where someone put uh, Nicki Minaj's Roman Holiday over it. Comedy. Comedy at its finest. I just would love to have the lack of self-awareness that they do. That there's not even like an iota of shame that this happened. Because I feel, in my opinion, I would get loads done. Clearly none of these people are. But... Do you know what I mean? If I did this, I would not want to leave my house for many, many days, many, many weeks, many, many months. The shame. But I, they're going to be out banging some kind of drum tomorrow, talking about rights, talking about how, you know, transgender people are everywhere and they're ruining everything when they just, they just want to be called by their names 
by the names that they want to be called and they, they just want to hang around and they just want to leave, live life and that infuriates them so I just very frustrating extreme extreme flop behaviour I mean just yeah no need Thank you so much for listening, as always. And if you're new here, you're very welcome. We are Flat Culture underscore Pod on Instagram and TikTok. You can get in touch, as always, at hellofflatculture at gmail.com. If you have a suggestion for an episode, let me know. Always open to them. Uh, please rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts if you want a personalised bop or flop recommendation. And you can also leave a five-star review on Spotify. It helps people find the show, and it's hugely appreciated by me. We are creeping closer to the 200 reviews on Spotify. So I would very much appreciate if you would consider giving us your five stars would be hugely hugely appreciated next week's episode you're going to want to listen if you're a succession fan that's all I'll say on that this podcast has been edited by Adam Shanahan and artwork as always by Brian Lambert I will see you all next week mind yourselves goodbye even on a budget Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.